Hello and welcome to the Infinite Creators Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am your host, Chloe, and I want you to know that my intention behind this podcast is and always will be to expand your heart and your mind and help you discover new ideas, thoughts, and ways of being. I hope that with each episode, you leave this space feeling inspired, filled with love, and ready to take action in creating a life that is worth living. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope that you enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Infinite Creators Podcast. Uh, It's been a hot minute since I've uploaded... An episode. It's been a little crazy in the world, but today I have Sean on the podcast and I'm super stoked about it. Sean and I work together through Breakaway Movement and Enagic, and he has a super dope way of portraying life and entrepreneurship and all of those good things. He's currently living in Hawaii with his wife and his two kids. And yeah, I just think he brings a lot of value to our community and just life in general. So I'm really excited to have him on the podcast. Today, we're going to be focusing our conversation around entrepreneurship and passive income and being your own boss and just kind of the um, massive value that surrounds that. So yeah, thank you, Sean, for joining us. And if you just want to say like a few things about you or introduce yourself, that would be epic. Yeah. Peace, y'all. Chloe, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Sean Little. You know, there's there's so much to say, but I guess we can create, I guess, uh, context just so we kind of play out this conversation. Uh, like Chloe said, yeah, I've been an entrepreneur, I guess, um, before it feels like entrepreneurship is cool. Like when everybody was clowning you for trying to do your own thing. Um, really, I think it started when I was a teenager, you know, like my brother and my uncle hustled. So I think that was the first kind of uh, really experience I had of creating your own income, more or less outside of the system. Um, I got into rapping when I was really young. So I was like selling tapes uh, that me and my homeboys made when we were in high school selling, you know, cassette tapes for $5 a pop or whatever. Um, And then, yeah, really, I think my biggest thought on entrepreneurship is not so much being your own boss as, as it is being your own human. Uh, I think that being an entrepreneur allows you to be yourself. So if you're interested in like knowing yourself, loving yourself, growing as a person, I think that creating your own income is kind of the cornerstone of being able to do that uh, over a lifetime. So yeah, I would say that. Yeah, epic. Definitely being your own human, freedom to live your life on your own terms sort of thing. Amazing. Um, well, Sean, before we get into this conversation, I wanted to quickly ask you the question that I ask on every episode, and that is, what is your favorite self-development activity or, yeah, ritual as of lately? Yeah, you know, and, and I think this is a kind of a silver lining throughout my whole practice as a person, uh, but it feels like it is uh, peaking right now. Um, and how would I say this? <clears throat> I guess learning to listen to your own intuition, learning to listen to your own voice. There are so many voices, especially uh, in in this moment of chaos um, and confusion and fear-mongering that can really get inside of our heads and throw our whole equilibrium off. 
Um, so, you know, I remember getting rid of, of the last television that was ever in my household when I was like 19 years old. Um, I was having, I guess, some spiritual developments in my life and just learning to tune out voices. You know what I'm saying? There are so many voices that are targeted at us every single second of every day um, that I think a huge self-development, again, from a, from a human being perspective, certainly as an entrepreneur, is just learning to hone in on your own voice and the spirit that's inside of you and just get this crazy shit out of your head. Is that something you find yourself doing like in the morning, like making sure you clear your thoughts and set like really clear intentions for the day or it's a constant monitoring practice? Oh yeah, it's practice. You know, I've been married for 11 years. I have two young kids. So my my rhythm is a little bit different than I'm sure a lot of people in your audience. Um, so my kids are up, you know, between 5 and 6 a.m. and it's, it's on and popping. Sometimes I get up before that, but you know, most of the time I don't. Um, so really, I think I'm talking about, yeah, a practice of literally the people that you follow on social media, any news media outlets that you're tapped into, the people, the human beings that you're most closely connected with, the podcasts that you listen to, all of the voices, all of the incoming streams of information or voice or noise. It's just like being highly um, dedicated to being as committed to your own voice uh, and, and hearing and honing into your own voice as you are consuming other people's voices. Um, so I just, you know, just practically, I don't follow a lot of people on social. I don't listen to a lot of stuff. Um, there are certainly voices that I value. Um, you know, authors that I read, really, it's not that many people presently. Um, there are two guys that I've been tracking with recently that I, I'm looking to buy some of their content, especially that it's on super sale right now while the whole world falls apart. Uh, so it feels like a great time. But yeah, really more than anything, it's about monitoring what comes in just to be able to create and hold space for like, damn, what do I think? What does my intuition say? What does my spirit say? Yeah, that's so good. Just being so conscious and aware of the information that you're receiving on the daily, especially during this time, like tuning mm-hmm. out of the news, tuning out of other people's opinions, because everyone's just snowballing on top of everyone's opinions and thoughts and ideas. And it's yeah. just becoming more and more of a shit show. And yeah. that's just in life in general, like tuning out right. the news, tuning out unneeded media, tuning out unneeded opinions, like staying in your own lane. And right. yeah, that's just a really good practice in general. Well, and the reality is, you know, and, and, and this situation just brings it into the light, but no one knows everything. Yeah. We all know a little bit of something, right? But outside of this current circumstance, I mean, sure, global pandemics may, may create a context in which you want to listen to a couple of informed voices on the subject. But even the most informed voice is a student. At best, they're learning second by second. Information is coming in. So again, on a, on a life practice, it's like, look, no one is more of, a, of an authority on life than you are. No one is certainly more of an authority on your life than you are. So taking you know, ownership of your life and taking the authority back for yourself, um, because you know we all are responsible for um, and obligated to our lives first. And it's a lot of people competing um, to control our lives for a lot of different reasons. So that's, yeah, that's, I'm heavy on that. Yeah, I agree. I'm very selective with who I talk to and what I hear. Anytime I hear something that I don't want to hear, I'm like, no, no, nope. I don't want to do this conversation. I don't want to have this conversation. Like I just shut it down. Nope. Totally. Not going to have it. Totally. <laughs> I think, well, thanks for sharing that. I think that's a good reminder for everyone all the time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so with that being said, I want to just jump right into entrepreneurship and just for some people, this is such a foreign concept, like the idea of working for yourself, making your own income, creating your own hours, thinking outside the box and doing something that's serving you and you're not serving someone else constantly and allowing yourself to create like a sustainable income or even know like where to start. Um, and just like, yeah, so I think I feel like some people think like, oh, I, I couldn't do entrepreneurship. That's not something I could do. But at the end of the day, there's so many different avenues to take, whether it's sales or creating an online store, or e-commerce or trading or, you know, whatever that may be. Um, have you always been an entrepreneur, would you say? Or like, have you had your line in the sand moments with working for other people? Or does it just come naturally to you? Yeah, that that's yeah, that's a good question. I do think that that is some something that needs to be articulated. Is that I think that being an entrepreneur, it's certainly a skill set, um, but I think it's kind of a a mystical thing as well. Some people are cut out for it; other people are not cut out for it. Now, I will say, if you're not cut out for it, um, I still think that this is a highly relevant conversation, just because there are ways that even people who are not cut out for it, they can tap into proven systems, they can tap into programs and communities. And, and because of those platforms or communities, you know, Breakaway Movement being one of them that we're obviously both tapped into, you can leverage the, the skill sets and the entrepreneurship of other people to create income in, in your life, which I think is very meaningful for everyone. Um, yeah, that said, I do think that I'm more just kind of inherently, I guess, independent. Um, I want, you know, I want to own and control as much of my life as possible. Um, so I kind of forget your question because <laughs> I got off into that. So say that again. Say the question again. <laughs> That's okay. Um, no, just like if you, did you ever have like line in the sand moments with bosses and other jobs that we were like, okay, I'm done. I need to create my own income. We're not doing it. Yeah. yeah. And something else I want to say is that, you know, we have to realize that for anyone, you know, likelihood, if you if you own an iPhone or if you can tap onto the internet, like you're privileged. So most privileged people um, need to be aware of the reality that like we're born into a system um, that educates educates us and socializes us and conforms us to be employees, not to be entrepreneurs. That's what the whole entire system is, is, has been established to do, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I think just coming to realize that and own that and accept that, like you have been set up to conform. You've been set up to be an employee. Um, So you haven't been set up to be an entrepreneur. So I think, yeah, early on, I always felt, and really what I mean by that is you've been set up to uh, give all of your magic and all of your creativity and all of your energy and like the beauty that is your life to and for the profit and benefit of someone else. That's what the system is set up for. Um, so with that said, yeah, I just think that like my energy is more independent. Um, and so I was born in the system. I was raised in the system. I was educated in the system as well. I just always felt tension about it. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I always felt like I was rubbing something. Um, now with that said, you know, just kind of how my family was and how I was growing up. Like I think a, a benefit for me is that I don't have any men in my life or people in my life that looked like success to me. 
Um, and I think a lot of people have an image of a person, a family member, an older brother, a parent, a mentor, whatever, that they consciously or unconsciously are measuring their life against. Um, I didn't have that. So I think that's been a huge benefit for me. Like, I still just feel complete freedom to like try things out and do things and fail and try again, like because I'm not measuring myself arbitrarily against the success of someone else, which I think is really important. So, yeah, you know, I think I've been an entrepreneur and, you know, an artist and a musician, all that stuff since I was like 15 years old. I'm 35 now. Um, I've had jobs for sure. And I'm not even necessarily mad at a job. Like if you need a job to learn something, to get into a market or an industry and get some game, if you need a job for the money, like, a job is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I quit the last job that I'll ever have three years ago. And that was really kind of a, a line in the sand moment for me. Um, because again, while I, while I had streams of income and while I've been on creative entrepreneurial stuff, um, there, were, there were causes or organizations that I cared about, um, that I was you know, fortunate enough to be able to work a job within those frameworks. Um, but specifically, you know, when my wife and I found out that we were pregnant, it was kind of just like the, I don't know, the coming together of a lot of different feelings or, or experiences where it was like, yeah, man, I'm not, I'm not going to keep doing this. Um, so we were living in a town in Southwest Indiana. I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, originally. Uh, we're from the Midwest. We were living in a little, you know, sleepy Indiana town. I was working this job. They wanted me to take more leadership essentially. And I was just like, man, I'm not going to stay living here. I don't want to raise my kids here. Um, and so, you know, that was, I mean, but it was intense, right? Because like, I have a wife to take care of. We were a single income. I was the only one making money within my household. Obviously, my wife's work is way more valuable than any money that I'm making, you know, raising our children. But having a wife to take care of, having bills, having responsibilities, a mortgage to take care of, like a child to take care of, you know, at a lot of, at a, for a lot of people, that would have been when they gave up, I guess, the idea of independence or entrepreneurship. But it really crystallized things for me. And I was like, I can do it, man. Like, I'm not. But, but, but much of it, I think, was, you know, the catalyst of, of it was, I'm not going to live in this town. I'm not going to raise my, my child in this town. Um, that was definitely a line in the sand moment, yeah, three years ago. Yeah. I think, too, like, with, with, between jobs and entrepreneurship, like, there, there are hundreds of really cool jobs out there. Like, there are so many jobs that are, like, creative and fun and, like, in it and just really cool and engaging. And, like, sure, they're probably not miserable, but there's always the contrast of not enough freedom. Like no matter how much you love your job, I feel like there's always some sort of blockage where like, oh, I love my job, but I actually don't have the freedom to do this or to do this. And that's why I love entrepreneurship so much and being my own boss and creating all these different streams of income is because no matter what, I have cash flow constantly coming into my bank account. And I also have unlimited freedom. Like I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, whenever I want. Right. Which, and that, what you just said is the reality of the people and the groups that have created the system. Yeah. That's their reality. That is the most privileged reality that I have money coming in from multiple places and I have full uh, freedom, whether that's financial freedom, time freedom, expression freedom, right? We can be creative. I can actually tell you what I think and how I feel because I'm not muzzled to my paycheck. Um, so yeah, I think that freedom is multifaceted. Um, and it, again, this is where I'm most excited or most passionate because it's, it's, it's God given, uh, 
freedom that is taken from us or brainwashed away from us that we should not be expressing how we feel, expressing what we think, um, carrying out our own convictions, being true to ourselves, because if I do, then I'm going to lose my job. Um, so really it's like a, it's, it's, it's a moral philosophical kind of transcendent, uh, transcendent issue for me that human beings are, are born to be free and full expressions of themselves. Yeah, totally. What do you think, why do you think there's been such a rise in entrepreneurship over the last, like, I would say, I mean, I know it's always on the rise, but like, especially over the last like 10 years, just everyone just tapping into that, making money online or trading or whatever that may be like properties. Yeah. I think there's two, you know, there's two aspects of it. One uh, is older than 10 years, 10 years. uh, And it's, essentially the corporate structure in America specifically changed. And then two is just the internet. Um, So one, I read a really fascinating book called The Disposable uh, American. And basically in the 70s, corporations started treating their employees as a way to increase their bottom line. So prior to the 70s, especially in America, there was really kind of what you see like in generations before ours, that there was a almost a courtship, a relationship, a marriage between businesses and corporations and their employees. Businesses wanted employees who would ride it out for 30, 40, 50 years. They valued them. They cared about them. They cared about their families. They provided them stability. And businesses understood that that kind of an employee was a cornerstone to their profitability and to their success. But in the 70s, uh, corporations started looking at their employees as a way to increase their profit shares for their shareholders. And so the disposable American became a very normal thing. Layoffs became very normal because the employee was no longer the, the, the center of the business's interest. It was their shareholder. Um, so that's kind of a fundamental shift, particularly in the West, that the shareholder became the most important uh, person in the, in the kind of corporation relationship. Okay, there's that piece. But the internet, for sure, like the internet is the most revolutionary tool that any of us will ever see until the aliens come, uh, because it's <laughs> democratized all things like you couldn't, you know, so from self education courses to learning from experts, even like masterclass, right, you have world class people who for $15 a month, you can get their courses or whatever. So I think the democratization, the, the leveling of the internet uh, has just made information uh, opportunities available to so many people, and that will only continue to increase. Because uh, in the past, you know, even like for my wife and I, like when when I was rapping more seriously, it might cost me. I don't know. I built my own studio, so say the equipment cost ten thousand dollars, okay, and then I'm going to print some CDs, right? Because those were still popping when I was getting started. Well, CDs are going to cost me another five thousand uh, dollars. I have to put in hundreds of hours as an independent musician to contact venues, to go drive there, play music in their venue, hopefully sell some CDs. Um, It just took tens and tens of thousands of dollars as a musician to, to, quote, be an entrepreneur and actually make something of it. We got into, you know, we opened a cold press juice, you know, all organic juice business. Again, we're talking about $50,000 to get in that game, right? Right. Um, That's a lot of money. That's a lot of capital. We talk about real estate. My wife and I own a... uh, couple buildings, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, right? You have to have good credit. Uh, you have to have a job that verifies the risk of, for the bank to actually give you that income. It's a lot of money. So again, when you look at the internet and internet entrepreneurship, particularly, 
the the cost to become an entrepreneur is like plummeting. It's so cheap to be an entrepreneur yeah. compared to kind of classic uh, opportunities. Yeah, you can virtually do anything with the internet. Like you can just create a course and build an online presence and then boom, you're a millionaire. Like I have friends that have created like $500,000 in less than three months from creating an online course. Like it's like it couldn't be a better time to be alive. So it's like, it's actually mind boggling to me that people don't capitalize on that. Like even if you do love your job or even if you do have this going on and this running and this, 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 like why not just run with the wind and like take it like oh what else can I do to make money you know like what else can I do I don't know for me my wheels are constantly turning like right now I have like 10 things in the works I'm like okay I'm gonna make money from this 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 and it's all involving the internet because it's just the best tool like this phone in your hand you can do anything from your phone (laughs) you can literally create 10 billion dollars from your phone and really I'm sure that you feel this way but the money especially at a certain point the money is no longer the center of attention, right? Like, so the 10 endeavors, I mean, after we have a place to live and we can buy the food that we want, we can, you know, travel and whatever. At some point, all of the sexy stuff that initially may get you into entrepreneurship, it really does normalize. Uh, So we live out here on Maui and my wife and I traveled a bunch through our 20s. And I don't know, man, like we, we left Maui for the first time, I think in eight months back in January, we went to Los Angeles and, and Los Angeles and um, some other town, ta- I don't, I don't remember where else it was, California, Phoenix and, um, oh, Joshua Tree, California, we went to Phoenix and we went to Miami essentially. And I was just like, this is gross. I'm not trying to do this. Like I want to <laughs> chill at home. Like let's get back to Maui. I never want to leave Maui again. The point is the sexy stuff that a lot of these, like, especially online entrepreneurs, you know, sell you, which that's fine. Like if you want to increase your freedoms, good on you. But at some point, that normalizes as well. And so the money normalizes. And I think that's important to like clarify that even as the money normalizes, really, it becomes about the endeavor itself, the creative expression itself, the relationship that you can build, the partnership that you can create, the ways that you can serve people, support people, help people, invite them into kind of, you know, the, the, the vibration and the frequency that you're on. That's what it becomes about. The money is a byproduct, right? The money is what comes back after giving all that energy and giving all of that love, which, you know, is a fascinating thing unto itself. Because again, all that employees are trained to think about is the money. Like you give away your time, you get this job and we'll give you this money back. But again, to be a human being is so much more than, you know, the income that that we can earn. Right. It gets to a point where the money is just a really dope repercussion of what you're doing. Like for now, like to have, I feel like if you can get yourself a few solid passive income streams, like Enagic, for example, is like the best thing that's ever happened to me in terms of income streams. And I have that running all the time. And I know that's constantly providing me income like every day. It's like checks, 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 checks. And then it's like, dope, I have all this freedom. I have all this time now. Where can I put all my energy into my creative passions? How can I create more art? How can I be of service to others? What can I volunteer? What projects can I do? How can I give my money to help this person? How can I put my time here to help that person? And then you just know like, okay, it's cool that I'm spending two months off work, like diving into these creative projects because I'm still making money on the side, you know? Yeah, totally. And again, that's the that's the philosophical, I think, cornerstone for me is that time, this is really the shit that I'm on, man. Time more than anything allows you to, the, the space 
the freedom, the opportunity to actually think, to (laughs) think. That's really one of like my primary endeavors in life is being able to think. I can think, and so I'll give you two examples. Number one, most people are not thinking about the fear factory and how it's working right now. All of these news outlets, all these people on social media, God knows what else, it's all a fear factory. Fear is one of the primary tools to create conformity in large populations of people. Again, I'm not going to get too deep in it, but after 9-11, the United States uh, passed the Patriot Act. Uh, Hit the Googles on this. The Patriot Act is the biggest invasion of our personal privacies in the history of America. All of this shit that we're all well aware of, that if I talk in a room for two days and don't even have my cell phone on and I say, oh, I want a green smoothie. I want a green smoothie. I want a juice, whatever. You'll see, you'll see an advertisement the next time that you get on your phone. That is a direct byproduct of the Patriot Act. Never in the history of the world would the government have allowed private corporations to tap your devices to advertise to you prior to the Patriot Act. Again, the Patriot Act passed under the auspice. And again, I think that was intentional. But after 9-11, we were also fear-mongered into believing that brown people were going to fly planes into buildings again, that we were willing to pass whatever legislation, allow our country to go back into the Middle East and blow up all these countries and murder all these innocent, beautiful people, because we were scared. The same shit's going on right now. But most people don't have the time or space to think about that. Um, So that's the first thing. I think the second thing is my last job, the job that I walked away of, uh, when I was uh, three years ago, I was pastoring. I was pastoring in a church. And, you know, the, the lead pastor of the church, he's my OG. He's a good friend of mine to this day. Um, and, you know, I almost hesitate to say this just to protect him, but it's real. And I'm sure that, you know, too many, too many connections won't cross here. But the point is, he and I were talking at some point, and I went to work for him because I respected him. I admired him. I knew I could learn a lot from him. That was the whole point of me going to work there is because I just loved him. And I knew I could get a lot of game from him. He told me at some point, uh, he said, Sean, I don't even know if what I say on Sunday mornings is actually what I think. I'm sharing those thoughts, but I don't know if they're actually my thoughts. Because, you know, in his lane, even if I was preaching half of the Sundays, he had to preach 26 Sundays a year. And he's been doing this for 20 years. He's been preaching 50 Sundays every single year. What, like when you're writing this sermon, you're thinking about the next one that you got to write. You're thinking about the one after that. He, and that was just like shocking to me. That was jarring to me. Because again, when we think about primary voices, whether you're talking about religious or spiritual stuff, economic stuff, political stuff, just social humans that you connect with, when you think about their volume of output, again, if that's tied to your income, who knows if these people, as they share their thoughts, even think about what they think. That's like, that is a deep passion of mine, just to have time and space to think. Yeah, and just not robotic. And like, just like, just when you do have the time, when you do have the time and you do have the freedom, you're not so much in this like system and like this routine where you just become so scheduled that you don't even think outside of like what's happening in this lane. And yeah, it just, it's kind of freaky how, like, even how you're saying with the pastor, like how it just becomes, I don't even know what I'm saying or what I'm thinking anymore. That's right. Um, What do you think? about 
because I, I get waves of thinking that eventually everyone will want to get out of the system and everyone will become an entrepreneur. And then what will happen with all the jobs where like people have to do, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, and I mean, and <laughs> shit like that. Yeah. And again, there are a couple, there are a couple thoughts here. Number one, not everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. There are people who want to work a regular job who want the safety and security of a salary and good on them. Like, because to your point, if everyone became an entrepreneur and everybody was out here on some independent stuff, like the world would stop. We need people who, you know, want, want the safety and the security, the stability, the normalcy of regular jobs. Um, and I think that, that goes back to, you know, my initial thought is I really do think there's kind of something mysterious and, and mystical about entrepreneurship is that I think it's a spiritual thing. I think it's in you or it's not get your money, tap into platforms, improving systems, and create more sources of income. But when we talk about actual entrepreneurship, I really do think it's like an inherent thing. You're either cut from that cloth and you have the the fortitude and you have the creativity and it just like gushes from you. That doesn't mean you don't struggle. That doesn't mean it isn't hard. It isn't difficult, but it's like, it's just in you. It's part of how your heart pumps. It's part of how your mind works. And so it's just in you. And so I think that, again, for, it's not for everybody. Um, the bigger concern is, uh, you know, the, the, the creators and the controllers of the system who are, uh, you know, automation. Automation is going to replace way, way more jobs at an increasingly, uh, I, I guess, at an increasing frequency than entrepreneurship ever will. Um, and they do it with no regard. They don't, you know, and this, I, I really be on some philosophical stuff. Like I don't check out my own groceries. Um, I'm not going to do that. Like I'm not going to be your employee and take your, you know, two tellers that are at the store. I'm not going to take money out of their pocket by being a teller for you. Um, so again, I think automation is, is, is much more of a concern for kind of, you know, regular blue collar jobs than, than entrepreneurship ever will be. Yeah, for sure. I think that a lot of people struggle with entrepreneurship because we are so stuck into like the employee mindset that some people fail at entrepreneurship because they think that like they kind of just, they start an entrepreneurial journey and then they get stuck in the employee mindset. They think like when you're working in a restaurant or when you're working in an office job, you can rock up and have a like shitty attitude and really not put forth that much effort, but you're still getting paid your hourly wage. Like it doesn't really matter how you show up. But with entrepreneurship, it's like, you can't do that. You're not automatically just going to get paid. So I think that's where people go wrong is like, they don't realize, oh, I'm the income producing person here and I have to like actually work. Like there is the point of the grind in the beginning of the entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, a couple things. One, failure is like the lifeblood of entrepreneurship. Whereas maybe conformity is the lifeblood of employment, right? Just doing what I'm told. Here's my job. I'll execute it. I'll wear whatever, you know, the dress code is. I'll show up at this time. I'll take my two weeks off, whatever, whatever. And I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying when you look at the frameworks, they're built on completely different foundations. And yeah, I think, you know, like failing forward is the idea. So, you know, uh, obviously as a rap dude and a hip hop dude, Jay-Z has a line uh, on his 444 album. And he says, a loss is not a loss. It's a lesson. And that is just so much gain. Like as an entrepreneur, and I teach a lot of my team this, I teach a lot of people this, 
it is, it's a mindset thing. Like I had a girl do a task and she said, oh, I didn't get out of it what I wanted out of it. I was like, but do you know how much you learn? But yeah. do you know how much you learn? Like you didn't get the immediate return on investment, right? So I give away an hour and I get $10. I get 20, 50, $100. I don't get whatever it is. I don't get the immediate return. But like the game that you learn in that little two hour failure, number one, will set you up for more success the next time you come around to the task. But number two is what is worth so much more than whatever little hourly or salary rate you could, you know, you could have gotten in exchange. So yeah, it's, it's a completely different operating software. Uh, so if you bring, you know, the employee mindset, which again, most of us are conditioned to have into the, you know, playing field of uh, entrepreneurship, it's like bringing, I don't know, what's the, you know, like bringing a basketball to a football game, something like that. It's just, it's a completely different the ice game. hockey rink. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Bring a swimsuit to an ice hockey rink. <laughs> yeah, it's just about, um, yeah, the just learning lessons, like just understanding, like not getting put down so quickly. Like I, that's something I've learned mentor, mentoring and coaching this like team of 50 plus people of how to run a successful online business. It's some of them, get so frustrated like oh chloe like i ran an ad and i didn't get any leads i'm like okay so what are you going to do to change that are you going to create a new ad are you going to change your target market are you going to change your target audience like you're going to let this one ad that you ran discourage you from doing anything else like that's it you're done you know so it's like trial and error like understanding that entrepreneurship is trial error trial error fail stand back up fail stand back up like you'll get there eventually. It's just fine tuning, fine tuning, fine tuning. Totally. And what you learn is like, there's not, I, this is so corny, but all the real stuff in life, it does have little adages to it. It's not about the, it's not about the destination. It's not about getting somewhere. It really is about the journey and what you learn about yourself. Um, maybe how fragile you are, especially in the beginning. Like you fail one time and you're like, oh, my whole life falls apart. Like, there's some of that, right? Because again, that fragility is put inside of you by the system so that you feel protected by the system, so that you feel provided for by the system. Oh, I'm so sorry you fell down. Come back here and we'll give you a little you know, salary or a little wage or whatever. Um, but again, it really is about discovering your capacity, your creativity as a human being, um, your resilience as a human being. We're talking about millions of years of evolution here. We are resilient people. <clears throat> we can do amazing, amazing things. We're on the shoulders, on the shoulders, on the shoulders of people who like discovered fire and made the wheel. Like we're standing on the, on the shoulders of all of these amazing people. That amazingness is inside of us. Uh, we're just, you know, bamboozled to not tap into it. Um, yeah, totally. And I just, yeah, I think that's one of the characteristics of an entrepreneur is like resilient. Like you're just resilient in the pursuit of your mission, like whatever that is with entrepreneurship, whether it's to gain more freedom or more time or spend more time with your family or what have you. Totally. Yeah. And here's another, you know, here's a, like a very relevant example for that right now. I'm sitting in, uh, a co-working space that we just opened up on the North shore of Maui before we could even launch it. Uh, Maui went on lockdown. It's illegal for us to even open this place up. So we put tens of thousands of dollars into this co-working space. We're obligated to pay the rent on it every month. We've spent the money on all the furnishings and the Wi-Fi and the painting and the accommodations and the customizations. And I'm sitting here and it's illegal to open this place up. Is that a failure? 
maybe, is that just doing something dope that you knew would add value to other people that need a place to work and circumstances happen. And you're, um, this is how I'm saying it. I'm blessed and fortunate enough that I don't need the money. I can pay the rent here. My life can go on. I can hold this space for months to come, knowing that whenever whatever is going on passes, it'll still be as valuable, maybe if not more valuable, because maybe more people will need a remote working environment because their jobs are gone, their businesses are gone, whatever. Uh, but again, it's like that. You know, in the past, I'd have been super salty about it, but at this point, I just know that like that's what it is to play the game. Shit happens, and you know, you keep it moving. You don't allow whatever the shit is that's happening to like rewrite your story or, you know, like the mission that you're on. Yeah, totally. And that's where like the having that power mindset comes in. Like that's, I think that's one of the largest key components of entrepreneurship is mostly mindset. Like you are, when you become an entrepreneurship, you're tapping into this world of, I got to get my shit together and figure out what's going on in my head so that I can solve so I can be able to like navigate through all these circumstances and navigate through all this contrast and navigate through, oh, this goes wrong. Okay. How am I going to deal with that? And like being, being able to embody the solution mindset and not a problem mindset. Like when you're an entrepreneur, nothing is a problem. There's always solutions. Yeah. Yeah. And I really, there are t- I have tension in my personal relationships because I'm so on that. Again, it's not only about money, it's about life. Like, okay, there's a problem. I don't want to talk about the problem. What is the solution? How do we solve this? How do we heal this? Obviously, people and situations need time to process. I'm not, I'm not rushing that. I'm just saying I'm not going to sit around bitching and moaning and complaining. Like, let's get on with it. Let's heal. Let's improve. Let's fix the issue, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, again, the, the mindset, the, you're, it, we all behave based on what we believe. All human behavior is, is built on a belief. Um, and so again, even if you just contrast, you know, being an employee versus being an entrepreneur, it's conditioning, man. It's, it's how we are taught to think about life and risk and money and how fear is used. So again, like in a very present way, just keeping voices out of my head is like gospel to me. You know what I'm saying? Because you can't even share your entrepreneurial thoughts, your endeavors, how you're trying to make money, how you're trying to change the world, how you're trying to serve people, whatever, with people that aren't on that vibe because they're conditioned to think a different way. You know what I'm saying? And all they want to tell you is how it's not going to work and whatever, whatever. And it's just, that's just not my vibe. I don't have time for it. Yeah. They're just, yeah. Sometimes it's hard to talk to people who think so small because they make you feel like an idiot for like your entrepreneurial like ways. Right. And you're like, I'm actually on the right wavelength here. I'm not sure where you are at. Yes, for sure. Yeah. What would you say are like the most important like qualities or characteristics that you have to embody like when you do become an entrepreneur, like the things to focus on the most or improve? Yeah. Um, again, I think there's that mystical piece, you know what I'm saying? Like, just don't, don't front. Like if it's not you, don't try to make it you. I think that's like, that's number one. Now with that said, uh, I don't think you'll know if it's you unless you embody and live out resilience. You know what I'm saying? Like if you get into it and fail one time and you say, it's not for me, I just don't think that's fair for you and your life and the lineage and generations of human beings that will come from your loins. Like have a little resilience, you know what I'm saying? Get up a couple times, try again, like, you know, shake it off. And, and so I think resilience is a huge, a huge asset to have in life 
and in entrepreneurship, in relationships and in business, like in creativity and expressing yourself and in earning money. Resilience is, is absolutely essential. Also, I think your community, who your people are. Um, and, and again, that's life game and business game, but like, I don't know, man. You just can't, be, you can't give people who are not on what you're on authority or voice in your life. Otherwise, you are never going to be on what you're on. And this is like, again, you know, I started rapping like the summer before uh, Eminem's uh, Hi, My Name Is came out. That was like his first single. White rappers were not a thing. Like they were not a thing. And so anybody who I knew clowned me. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody clowned. And I was trash, so I was worth being clowned. But that's kind of the idea is like, believe in yourself, man. Trust yourself. Hone. And and again, what is your voice? What voices are keeping you away from your voice? Clear that shit out. Like hone your voice. Understand your own intuition. Listen to the God in you. And like honor that as if not more valuable than all of these other voices out here. Again, whether it's like, just your homies on some chill stuff on some like, this is how I hang out. This is the people that I vibe with. Obviously to like politicians, people in your ear about education or employment, all that stuff, man. Like people, like no one, how do I want to say this? No one is obligated. No one's voice. You're not obligated to anyone's voice. That's the thought. Whether it's your parents, whether it's people that said they love you, whether it's your best friend, your partner, the person you're in a romantic relationship with, your employee, your employer, whatever, like you're not obligated to those people, man. You're obligated to you. You live for yourself first. Um, and if and if the voices that are in your life, if the people that are in your life are not helping you live more and you want to live more, get that shit out of here, man. <laughs> in love in respect in honesty and truth and beauty but like get it out of here you're not obligated to it yeah i think sifting through the people that remain present in your life and the value that they serve is key because you wouldn't you can't get anywhere if you're you're like you're one person and you're trying to break through all these limiting beliefs and trying to get to this level of like success and money and blah, blah, blah. And if you have this whole train of people behind you dragging you back saying, no, Chloe, that's not possible. You're an idiot. That's not going to work. I'm not going to support you. That's a stupid idea. You're not going to make money from that. And I always tell everyone on my team, like when they talk about like resistance from their boyfriend or their parents or their siblings or their friends telling them like, oh, this isn't going to work. Like, why are you trying to take on this endeavor? is why take advice from people that don't hold the same level of success that you want. Like, why are you, that's like going to a homeless person and asking them for financial advice. Like if I want financial advice, I'm going to go talk to a millionaire and say, how did you get to where you got? How do you manage your finances? You know, like learning to talk to people and take opinions and advice from people who, who have the same level of success that you desire. Yeah. And again, I think, on a, on a human level, like if the voice of God is telling you something, like don't let someone tell you that that's wrong or that that's bad or that's not worthwhile. And again, we're so disconnected from our intuitions. We're so brainwashed away from being tapped into what we think, what we feel, what we believe. And it's reinforced by our obsession with social media, by our obsession with entertainment and celebrities and other people's lives. 
that we got to create some space. You know what I'm saying? We got to create some room so we can sit with ourselves and know ourselves and heal ourselves. And also, I want to say, especially to like a lot of single people, you know, because as I got married and I has, as I had children, this really like increased, I guess, the intensity of stuff is that when we're single, we really only see ourselves. When we're out here and we don't have people that we're really obligated to or, or really, you know, deeply kind of lifelong connected to, if we don't have children, we really can't see past ourselves. And I was the same exact way. You got to understand though, when you're, when you are inspired to do something, when you're inspired to make a change, when your intuition is telling you like, go for it, again, in business, in your own healing, and getting a counseling session, in practicing yoga, and changing your diet, and starting an endeavor, like, I'm talking about your whole lineage. Generations of people that will come after you are going to be affected by every single decision that you make. So I often wonder, like, when I was 15 years old, and I was like, yeah, I'm on this rap shit, and my dad was like, take the do-rag off your head, which he was right. I shouldn't have been wearing a do-rag. But all the voices in my life that were telling me to like not let my light shine, and that's my whole life. Like That's my whole life. Um, Who knows if I would have the spouse that I do at this point? Who knows if I would have the children that I do at this point? And I'm I'm raising my kids to be some revolutionaries, man. Like My kids are going to help heal the world. Had I not healed, who knows what... If I would have had kids, if I would have had a spouse, let alone if I'd be, you know, living this dope ass life on Maui, like working from home, staying at home, having the time and the space and the energy and the money to be able to raise my kids, to be able to be with my wife, to be able to heal as an individual, to be able to advocate for like the success and healing and the growth and the maturation of other people. So I'm talking about generations and generations. The future of the human race rests in every single decision that every single one of us make. So it's bigger than you, bro. And you got to start like, you got to start seeing that, man. Yeah. And just start knowing that. I just, I find it so funny that people take, I mean, of course you want advice and sometimes you want to hear like different opinions and viewpoints of your decisions or whatever is going on in your life. But at the end of the day, like just use those as considerations or like ways to kind of fine tune what you're thinking, but don't allow it to influence your decision totally. Cause at the end of the day, this is your life, your decision. It doesn't matter who thinks what. If it, if it sparks joy, if it excites you, if it's something obviously that came into your experience for a reason, then follow it and just see right. how it goes. And then, then that goes back to the failure thing. If you fail, it's not really a failure. It's a lesson. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to fine tune from there and there and there and there. Yeah, there's some classic wisdom that says there's wisdom in the counsel of many. I'm not saying just be a cowboy out here like on your own shit. That's not wise. Um, but like get people around you, Chloe, like you were saying, like get people around you that are actually on what you're on or who are one step ahead of you in regards to what you want to be on. Like you might not have access to a millionaire, right? I mean, you do because of the internet, but you have access to someone that's on a little bit of what you're trying to be on. So again, it's like, yeah, I I think that we need to one hone Uh, the voice that's inside of us, our own intuition, create space for it, honor it and uphold it and protect it by keeping all that other shit out of here. But also like, yeah, you need to get some people around you who can help you and can guide you and can support you and mentor you and counsel you. Like, but again, a lot of us, you know, have been uh, systematized 
to not ask for help, to think that asking for help is weakness. Asking for help is like the dopest shit since sliced bread. If you're not asking for help, I don't, I don't want you around me, you know what I'm saying? Because we all need help. None of us are perfect. None of us are uh, complete and whole and fulfilled. We need help. We need other people. But again, it's like, what voices uh, do you have in your ear when it comes to asking for help? Right. And there's that saying, I don't know it verbatim, but like, you should never be the smartest person in the room. And I love that saying, because I don't ever want to be the smartest person in the room. Every time I'm in a room, I want to be able to gather information from the people that I'm with. Like, all of my friends at the moment are all in breakaway movement and every single one of them have such dope value. I know that if we're all in a space together, if I'm with Amelia, if I'm with Shana, if I'm with Dave, if I'm with Holly, if I'm with all these people, oh, perfect. I'm going to gain so much value on this. I'm going to gain a new perspective on this. They're going to share a new book with me that they're reading. They're going to share a podcast. They're going to share this. They're going to share that. And knowing that, and if you, and like taking that saying into consideration, like, okay, never be the smartest person in the room. All right. Who am I usually sitting in a room with? People that have no desires, have, don't hold the same level of success for me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And being conscious of that and like, okay, I need to fine tune my circle or like get more inspiring, like-minded people around me. Yeah. Maybe one more attribute. So what is it? Resilience. What was the second one? I don't even know how it would classify Community. Community. Um, maybe the last one is you know, the student mindset. Ultimately, the practice is asking questions, asking questions. This is life game. This is money game. But like, man, number one, if you're around people who don't inspire you to ask questions, get them out of here. <laughs> like, get yeah. them out of here. But just be in the habit of asking questions. This is, you know, everyone might not know this. People are obsessed with themselves. People want to talk about themselves. So literally, you can sit at the feet of anyone and just ask them pointed questions, and they'll think you're the best person in their life because they just get the opportunity to talk about themselves, which everyone is obsessed with doing anyway. So the point is, if you can harness that practice like of being a good, number one, question asker, don't ask how your day is going. Who cares? Like, sure, I care about you. I want to, I want to know that you're well, but like, I'm really trying to ask some questions to gain from your life experience, to gain from your wisdom, to gain from your success, to gain from your failures. Um, and again, any, any mentor that's in my life, I'm usually asking personal questions as much, if not more, than like business or entrepreneur questions. Uh, because again, at the end of the day, like if you make a lot of money, but you're a piece of shit and you ruin other people's lives you didn't win. Uh, so I'm, I ask a lot of personal questions as well, just like, yeah, on some, on some life game stuff. So being a question asker and taking the, you know, I guess spirit of a student uh, is, is hugely valuable. Yeah, absolutely. And like being willing to, I think a big part of entrepreneurship as well, or at least being successful in it is like understanding human psychology and like understanding like you said, like people love talking about themselves. That's something that that saying has been so helpful to me because it helps you become a better people person because then you know when you're creating a connection with someone, you automatically off the bat just start asking them questions. Where are you from? Where do you live? What are you passionate about? What do you do for this? What do you do for that? You know? Um, and these are things that you learn over the course of, you know, your endeavors. Mm -hmm. I'm curious with um, Enagic, like what do you feel like is so appealing and enticing about like working for Enagic and like the value in 
working for a company that has such like a high compensation and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, two things come to mind, kind of my family backstory in entrepreneurship uh, and they're just affiliate marketing. Uh, you know, we were introduced to Enagic almost 10 years ago. My father-in-law bought uh, a water ionizer to help heal his fifth case of cancer. And he went from, you know, vegetarian, I'm talking about like, you know, frozen cheese pizza vegetarian to plant-based vegan. So it was still quite a transition. Um, and he was able to heal his cancer. You know, he lived with cancer from 19 to 53, uh, went plant-based vegan, bought a water ionizer, and now he's been cancer-free for almost a decade. So that's kind of the cornerstone of Enagic for us. On the entrepreneurship tip, you know, because we were drinking the water for so long, we didn't know anything about a compensation plan. And had I known the business opportunity within Enagic, I'm talking about this is when I'm like still rapping, putting tens of thousands of dollars into rap, uh, before we got into Sunshine Juice Co., that you know, cold, cold press juice company, before real estate. So again, the cost, the, the cost to go, you know, to make the biggest investment that you can make uh, in a Nagic is like a tenth of what my other business endeavors cost me. The return on investment has got to be a hundred times more profitable more quickly than any of those other businesses uh, that I was in, involved in. So for me, you know, I think number one, just being sold out to the product, advocating for the product, only consuming, you know, the water. That's the only water that I've drank for a long time. My wife, my children, that's the only water they've ever drank. It's the only water they bathe in that we prepare food with. Like it's true blue when it just comes to the product. Um, but then again, you know, the cost to start the business and the return on investment that you can make is just stupid. And then obviously being able to leverage the internet, be a part of a dope community, a proven system within the framework of breakaway movement again, allows you to 10x even the growth that you could, you know, be within uh, Enagic um, if you were just knocking on people's doors, which good on you, if you've got that hustle, do it. But, you know, taking advantage of the internet is, is the future. And then I think just affiliate marketing, you know, for a long time, I was reading books and sharing about those books. And I got into, I launched a podcast for a very short season called Read a Book. And all of that was taking advantage of affiliate marketing, right? having people click on my link to go over to Amazon to buy the book that I was reading, track with me, be a part of the podcast. And I was earning like 60 cents per book sale. Like it's just, you know, it's just silly to think that I actually get, but you know, I didn't know any different. I didn't know any better. And I had a vision and I was creative and ambitious and I was getting it popping, you know, and like on my first sale with the magic, I made more than I did in a year doing affiliate marketing, like through the, through the book show. Uh, just because the numbers, you know, are not there. And Magic pays 54% commission um, on the sales of their products that every single human being on the earth needs. So yeah, that's two things I think to come to mind. Yeah, I think just tapping into, I feel like a lot of people get scared and online entrepreneurship because a lot of it revolves around sales. And I think for some reason, some pe- so many people have a negative connotation around sales because they think of like a car salesman or it's like, like sketchy or stingy or weird or pushy. But at the end of the day, everything is sales. Amazon is sales. The restaurant is sales. The grocery store is sales. Everything is marketing and everything is sales. So if you accept that truth, and then when you find a company like Enagic that is sales, but it's like high ticket item sales with high ticket commissions, and then you leverage the living heck out of that, then you're like, all right, I'm cool with sales. (laughs) Sales are good. For sure. And again, uh, we're not taught to think that way because the people who make the money off the sales are teaching us to be employees. 
uh, and to not be the owners of the money that's being made through the sales. I was in nonprofit and social work for a number of years. I raised all my own salary. So I put together all the marketing plan, the letters. I shared about the work that I was doing. I was mentoring, you know, kind of inner city kids through a hip hop program and free recording studio time. I was like killing the marketing game. I was killing the advertising game. And I was making $25,000 a year. I eventually got to a place where I was earning $40,000 a year. I wasn't thinking that it was sales. I was just saying, hey, this is this work that I'm passionate about. This is a group of people uh, in a program that I've built that I'm passionate about that I want to serve. And so I marketed the hell out of it. I advertised the hell out of it to get people to contribute to the program. Um, had I known that I could earn 10 times that distributing a magic, I'd have had way more money. I'd have had way more time. The program would have flourished. The people that I was serving would have flourished. Uh, but again, it really does come down to a conditioning thing and a mindset thing to understand that everything is sales. All the money circulating around the planet is because people are buying things. Right. And just tapping into that and like understanding that it's not that weird or sketchy or any of those things that you've made up with these limiting beliefs. And okay. yeah. Enagic is epic. <laughs> and whether it's like Enagic or not, just like encouraging people, everyone listening to know that there are so many options of working online. And no matter what gigs you have going on, no matter what jobs you have going on, especially during this time, I'm sure people are realizing like, shit, I wish I had more than one stream of income. I wish I wasn't relying upon the system. I wish I wasn't laid off. And now I literally have no options. You find comfort and security eventually in entrepreneurship. And you realize like, oh, this is dope. No matter what's going on in the world, I'm, I'm okay. I'm provided for. I'm sustained by this income. Well, and again, what's fascinating to me is the whole, you know, Uber, Lyft, all those kind of third party where you can hop on their application and you can earn, you know, whatever kind of money. And people think that that's the wave. And I get it. Like, that's a great little hustle to have. I've done those things. But the point is, is like, that's a recreation of the same thing. And if you take all of your hours that you're giving to that, all of your energy that you're giving to that, and even if you just use that time and energy to study and to Google and to find out what other online income producing endeavors there are, you can make way more money than you can giving away all of that time to, you know, those apps or whatever that are profiting off of your magic, off of your time, off of your willingness to work very hard to give your time to them, but to not value your time in a way that you should be valued. And that's really, again, what it comes down to me is like people are, people's hours are worth more than minimum wage. Uh, if you make $100,000 a year, essentially you make $50 an hour. That's really what it boils down to. You are worth more than $50 an hour. Um, so yeah, it's really kind of a, a philosophical thing for me is like human beings are much more magical and much more valuable than, than we're led to believe. Yeah. And one thing I want to add before we maybe wrap this up is just, I feel like maybe a lot of people listening that aren't tapped into like the entrepreneurial mindset have this thought of like, oh, I don't, I don't want a lot of money. Like I don't need a lot of money to be happy. I don't need this and I don't need that. But like having that thought system and having that belief is only going to like make you more and more broke. And if you just realize that, oh, you know what? Money is actually an incredible tool. And the more money I have, the more freedom I have. And the more freedom I have, the more time I have. And the more time I have, the more I can devote my energy into my passions, into my family, into 
the desires that I've always wanted. And so think of money as that way and think of money as, oh, now that I have all this money, I can be of service to others, whether that's mm-hmm. my family or community or organizations or whatever. And learning to tap into that feeling, into that mindset um, and knowing like what could hurt from having more money? What could it hurt from putting more money in the hands of good people, you know, and think like shifting your mindset to that. Cause I know so many people that I talk to like in, in coaching calls and stuff like that. They're like, Oh, <laughs> when we ask them to list like what their dream income is, some people put like 50,000 or something. And I'm like, Whoa, that's wild. Um, well, again, you know, and again, this comes back to the employee conditioning and the other side of the employee conditioning is the consumer conditioning. Uh, because when you're an employee, most people in the world don't like their jobs. Okay, so now an employee, I'm in debt because I got some kind of education to get this job. I'm in debt because I bought a card to get me back and forth to that job. I'm in debt because I had to buy a uniform or whatever, extra things for the job. Okay, so now I'm in debt. So now I need the job. And I need the job to give me money to pay the bills that I created getting the job. And so you're driving back and forth. You're not liking your life. You're giving away most of your time and energy to something that doesn't give you life back. So you get your paycheck. And I'm sorry if this offends you, but you have to justify your existence. So you go and you buy some shit. We got to see how like backed into a corner we are because of this system. The other side of the employee mindset or conditioning is the consumer conditioning. So even the way that we think about money, we think about it as like a self-serving thing, a self-serving byproduct. Like I'm going to have money and buy things. And most people aren't bad people. So we don't just want to like be selfish and consume a bunch of stuff. But that's not what money is. Money is a tool. Money is a tool. Like I make more money now than anyone that I know does that I've ever made in my life. Like, and that's not on some stunt stuff because like I have three t-shirts. I have one pair of shoes. I have two pair of shorts. Like I drive a 15 year old car money is not the thing that I'm excited about. The freedoms and money as a tool, what I can do because of money, the freedom that I can have to spend with my children, to spend with my wife, to create other business endeavors, to set my children up for success, to think, to process, to advocate for kind of this, you know, uh, I guess, human awakening revolution. That's what money allows me to do. Uh, So money is a tool that can serve purposes that are exponentially and infinitely more valuable and important than some stupid shit that you can buy that you're going to lose in your closet in a month. Uh, But again, the other side of the employee conditioning is the consumer conditioning. And that's, you know, that's what people are taught to do is buy things with the money that they make. Yeah, exactly. And just realizing like money is whatever value you give to it, whatever meaning you give to it. So decide like what meaning what would money mean to you? What are you going to do to money? How are you going to be of service with money? How are you going to have it benefit your life? And having that like very genuine intention behind it and like associating more positive feelings and emotions with money so that you don't have that negative connotation around it and allowing it to serve you and like your life and your existence and your freedom and your happiness. Cause yeah, that's and what it really is. Yeah, even if you balk at that, think of someone that you love. Because again, we're conditioned not to love ourselves. Think of someone else that you love. Who could benefit if you had more money than you needed? Whose bills could you help pay? Whose house could you help fix? Whose car could you help replace? Whose food could you buy? What organizations could you support that are doing meaningful, you know, social work? Like, if you're not there with yourself yet, I'm cool. Like, 
We all need to heal. We all need to grow. But again, think immediately of the people that you love and how could they benefit? Or I guess the question is, could they benefit if you had an extra $50,000? If you had an extra $100,000? The answer is yet. And keep going. The answer is yes. Now keep going down that feeling. Keep going down that lane and that avenue because there's, you know, there's a lot of beauty down there. Yeah, absolutely. Just thinking not like outside of yourself as well, like who could benefit from, especially family. Because for me, that's what excites me the most is like, mm-hmm. oh, cool. I want to take my family on an all expenses paid vacation to Fiji next week. Let's do it. <laughs> or like, oh, my brother needs a new car. Here you go. Here's 30 grand. No problem. You know, yeah. just ease of, of that sort of thing too. And just being able to give back some love. <laughs> Easy. All right, Sean. Well, I think we should wrap it up with that. Um, hopefully this has been really helpful and inspiring to everyone listening to maybe get on a little grind, whether it's starting an Etsy shop or investing in a magic or getting some income property or being a rapper with some sick mixtapes. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, whatever it is. Yeah. Just understanding the importance of, of being thinking for yourself, creating freedom, creating happiness, all of, all of the above. Um, so with that being said, I just want to ask you one last question that I ask at the end of every podcast, which is what is your definition of love? Yeah. Um, and when I first thought of that, I didn't, I was like, what? what? I, I balked at it, but I've been saying this a lot recently, I think, especially over the last maybe year or 18 months, <clears throat> love is the highest expression of reality. Mm. Love is the highest expression of reality. Um, again, there are a lot of uh, forces and channels that are trying to convince us that there is an alternative um, reality out there. And all I'm here to tell you is that love is the highest expression of reality. When we think about uh, literature that has lasted throughout time, when we think about fables and stories that have been passed down, you know, from peoples and generations, when we think about uh, the primary, um, you know, accounts that we follow or what we watch on Netflix, um, love is the cornerstone of all stories that are worth telling and that are worth watching and being a part of. Uh, and so, even though there's a lot that's combating uh, our energy and our attention and our belief system to make you think that. Fear is the thing that we need to be prepared about. Uh, Scarcity is what we need to be thinking about. Uh, Selfishness is what we need to be living into. I'm here to tell you that that is false. Uh, Love is the highest expression of reality. And so what does it look like for me to to live into that? Uh, And then as I live into that, to invite other people to live into that as well. That is a great answer. Love is the highest expression of reality. Dope. Love it. (laughs) Thanks, Sean. Um, Thanks for coming on. Thanks for chatting with everyone who's listening. Um, Yeah, maybe we'll do a part two someday. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Peace, y'all. All right. See ya. That concludes this episode for today. I acknowledge you for taking the time out of your day to expand your level of awareness with me. I really hope that you enjoyed it. And if you did, I encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe. Also, if you choose to share it on your Instagram story, feel free to tag me at infinite.creators and let me know what you loved about it. If you wrote a review, don't forget to screenshot it and email it to me so I can send you a free copy of my cookbook or my dream life workbook. Thank you again so much for listening. Your support means the world to me, and I hope that you have a beautiful rest of your day.